Ladies and gentlemen, recording from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean's Sports Stop, where Sean Tiplitsky gives his unique opinion on the biggest news stories in sports. On today's episode of Sean's Sports Stop, number 210 to be exact, I will report the biggest news in sports and give my unique opinion on all the topics. There's lots to talk about. I did not make an episode last night on Saturday, January 5th, 2019. So today's episode will include the biggest news from yesterday and from today. So lots to talk about. Um, You know, NFL playoffs are in full swing. A lot of surprises, a lot of awesome matchups, very entertaining games. Um, So on today's episode... I'll talk about how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and former Arizona Cardinals head coach Bruce Arians have mutual interest. Steve Kerr is saying that the Golden State Warriors have not reached their full potential. The New York, the New York Yankees re-signing Zach Britton. DeAndre Hopkins reportedly playing uh, in the AFC wildcard game with an injury, playing through the injury. Um, Brett Brown saying that Jimmy Butler did not cross the line. Cliff Kingsbury possibly resigning from USC to take interviews from NFL teams. The Houston Texans playing the Indianapolis Colts in the AFC wildcard. The Dallas Cowboys playing the Seattle Seahawks in the NFC wildcard. Wayne Rooney getting arrested for public intoxication. John Jones' next fight in the UFC getting announced. The Pittsburgh Steelers uh, being likely trading Antonio Brown before March. Chandler Parsons getting set to leave the Memphis Grizzlies indefinitely. The New York Jets CEO uh, being very fond of Mike McCarthy. The Philadelphia Eagles thinking of trading quarterback Nick Foles. The New England Patriots uh, operating, uh, believing that Josh McDaniels will leave after this season. Jimmy Smith of the Baltimore Ravens uh, taking a shot at Fairweather fans. The Minnesota Timberwolves firing head coach and general manager Tom Thibodeau. And the Chicago Bears playing the Philadelphia Eagles in an NFC wildcard matchup. On top of all of that, I'll cover the news results and future matchups of the Los Angeles sports teams. But before I get into that, I want to say every episode of my podcast is available on every podcast platform that includes Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, For access to all my episodes, check out my website at seansportstop.com. There's other cool things there such as some articles that i've written i'm also writing about sports in addition to maintaining the pod and without further ado let's get down to it as i said the first story uh, is in the field of football no pun intended the tampa bay buccaneers and former arizona cardinals head coach bruce arians reportedly have mutual interest concerning the bucks's head coaching vacancy on saturday ian rapport of nfl network reported the side uh, reported the sides quote, could meet soon to discuss the job. NFL.com's Tom Pelissero added there's been a, quote, sense in the building Arians will be the hire. Rappaport added Arians is the front runner for the job, and the reporter noted if the Buccaneers hire Arians, they won't have to pay compensation to the Arizona Cardinals. The 66-year-old New Jersey native posted a 9-3 record as the Indianapolis Colts' interim coach in 2012, and the Cards hired him in 2013. He guided Arizona to a 49-30-1 mark and two playoff appearances across five seasons before he announced his retirement last January, which looks like it's not going to last very long. If Arians does take over the Buccaneers, he'll inherit Jameis Winston as his starting quarterback. Bucks general manager Jason Litch said Monday the franchise is committed to Winston despite his up-and-down 2018 season, saying, quote, Jameis is someone we hold in high regard here. There's a lot to like about Jameis. He will be here next year. He added, quote, he's done some amazing things for a young 24, turns 25 in a week quarterback. He accomplished more than most of the elite quarterbacks at his age. 
Winston completed 64.6% of his throws for 2,992 yards with 19 touchdowns and 14 interceptions in 11 games for Tampa in 2018. He also added 281 rushing yards and one score on the ground. Pro Football Focus graded him as the NFL's number 24 quarterback out of 32 QBs. The Bucks finished the season with the worst record in the NFC South at 5-11 and only the fifth overall pick in the 2019 NFL Draft. They ranked third in total offense, but only 27th in total defense. A third straight playoffless season under Dirk Coder led to his firing on Sunday, or Monday, which was known as Black Monday, uh, where about a third of the NFL was left without coaches. And now it appears that Arians is picking up steam as a potential replacement. And um, my opinion on this is this would be a great move for the Tampa Buccaneers. Bruce Arians is a very experienced coach who obviously has won reached some level of success with Arizona, but I'm not very sure if this is a good move for Bruce Arians or why he would be specifically interested in coaching the Buccaneers. The biggest thing that I could think of is living in Florida, the warm weather, the sun, the beach. But, you know, he, he announced his retirement last January, so when you're retired and you don't have any responsibilities like coaching an NFL team, you could live wherever you want. I'm sure he made some pretty good money as the head coach of the Cardinals. So... It's going to be interesting to uh, hear what his reasoning behind this was. But I think this would be a great move for the Buccaneers. So now switching gears to the NBA. The Golden State Warriors have struggled to find much of a rhythm early on this season and currently set at 25-14, and 14, which is not bad, but not what we've been used to seeing from the Warriors. And head coach Steve Kerr believes it's only a matter of time before the back-to-back defending champions hit their groove. Quote, we've got to do better, Kerr said on Saturday per ESPN's Nick Friedel. We know that. We've got to play better as a team. We're at the halfway point now of the season coming up, so we are going to continue to work, and we're going to get to the point where we're going to reach our potential, but we haven't gotten there yet for sure. Kerr Perfidel noted that there have been a number of factors holding the team back this season, saying, quote, There's various issues. It never comes down to one thing, but when we're at our best, our defense is really sharp, and our offensive execution complements our defense. The game's always connected. Every game that we struggle is not one thing. It's always a li- something a little different. The other night, I think our offensive execution really suffered, and that led to poor transition defense, but a different night, you could point to something else. We just haven't gotten to the point where we know what to expect from our group night in and night out. It's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride the whole first half of the season. Some of that has to do with injuries. Some of that has to do with the fact that we just haven't built the momentum that can come through consistent play and attention to detail. That's what we have to get to, and I'm confident we'll get there. Of course, there's no reason for a team that has won three of the past four NBA championships to panic early in January, especially when they are only one and a half games back on the uh, for the top spot in the Western Conference. That just goes to show how dominant the Warriors have been, where they're 25-14, and 14, a game and a half behind first place in their conference, and uh, their, their head coach is saying that they need to do better and that they have not reached their potential. And many fans, uh, I'm not one of them, but many fans are um, saying that the Warriors are imploding, the dynasty's ending, uh, when really all that's going on is they're just not as dominant as they were in uh, years past. Early on this season, it appeared as though Golden State would cruise to a three-peat after they jumped out to an 11-2 start. However, struggles, injuries, and internal turmoil, such as the altercation between Kevin Durant and Draymond Green earlier this season, have led to the team going only 14-12 over their past 26 games, which is not, that's not very good. Most notably, Klay Thompson is shooting only 34.9% from three, which would be by far the lowest of his career. The four-time All-Star is a career 41.6% shooter from deep and has never shot lower than 40% from the floor or from the, from the three-point line over the course of a full season. Um, so Thompson's not the only one struggling uh, shooting the ball. Draymond Green is as well. He's averaging only 7.3 points on 41.2% shooting, including just 23.7 for three. So Draymond Green and Klay Thompson are really struggling. But I think the Warriors will be fine. Uh, I don't think they're definitely not a lock 
to win the NBA championship this year. I think there's a lot of very good teams. The Denver Nuggets, uh, Milwaukee Bucks, Toronto Raptors, Indiana Pacers, Boston Celtics, Los Angeles Lakers. There are many teams that could, that will that could and will give the Warriors a run for their money. It's not like uh, the past few years where it's been Warriors and Cavs kind of locked in coming into the season. Everyone knew what was going to happen. I think it's a real toss-up this year. A lot of very good teams and I'm very excited. But uh, as for the Warriors, they have no reason to struggle. I think they'll probably make the NBA Finals, um, but they're not a lock to win it all. They'll be fine, though. So switching gears to the MLB, the New York Yankees and relief pitcher Zach Britton will be reunited after the two sides agreed to a deal on Saturday. ESPN's Jeff Passan first reported the two sides reached an agreement. Passan also reported the deal, quote, will be in the range of $13 million a season. Per John Heyman of FanCredit Sports, uh, Britton's deal will be for three guaranteed years with an opt-out for Britton and a fourth-year option for the Yankees. Britton spent the first seven-plus years of his MLB career with the Baltimore Orioles before the New York Yankees acquired him in a July trade to bolster their bullpen. The 31-year-old California native finished the 2018 season with a 3.1 ERA, 1.23 whip, which means walks and hits per innings pitched, and 34 strikeouts in just over 40 innings across 41 appearances split between the two AL East teams. He did struggle in the playoffs for the Yankees, though, put, giving up three earned runs in five innings, which was um, good enough for a 5.4 ERA. Britton, who spent the previous four years as the Orioles' primary closer, said in October his individual role is, quote, maybe not as important as I originally thought after spending time with the 115 lost Orioles and the 100 win Yankees this past season, two very different teams. Quote, I just want to win. Being in Baltimore this year was tough. Experiencing losing and then going on to a team that's going to win. I think for a lot of years, this would be obviously one of those destinations that I would want to be at with the young core. For his career, Britton owns a very good 3.21 ERA, 1.26 whip, and a strikeout rate of 7.4 per 9 innings. He's also recorded 142 saves, including 120 in a 3-year stretch um, starting in 2014, which featured a 47-save campaign for the Orioles in 2016. He's also a two-time All-Star and was named the AL Reliever of the Year for 2016. So obviously a very, very solid pitcher, more than solid, very good pitcher, great pickup for the Yankees. didn't overpay $13 million a year, and they have a uh, a team option for a fourth year. And this is a great move. Uh, Zach Britton gets to play on a, a, a team that's going to be winning consistently in a major market. So I think this is a great move for everyone involved. And I'm pretty happy as someone that uh, roots for the Yankees. So switching gears now to the NFL. Houston Texans wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins was held to only five catches for 37 yards in a 21-7 AFC wildcard playoff loss to the Indianapolis Colts on Saturday. After the game, Hopkins told James Palmer of NFL Network that he gutted through the injury just to stay on the field. Hopkins went to the locker room with under two minutes left in the first half for an evaluation. He did not record a single catch in the second half. For the season, the six-year pro caught 115 passes for 1,572 yards and 11 touchdowns. He led the league with 13 receiving scores the year before despite playing with three different starting quarterbacks. Hopkins was definitely one of the league's best wide receivers, if not the best, uh, when healthy. So, very unfortunate. Uh, the Houston Texans, their season is over, despite um, playing very well in the season. They, at one point, had a 10-game winning streak, so very unfortunate. Um, also, very, very uh, kind of cool and dynamic that the Texans uh, started off 0-3, then they just went on a tear, uh, finished the season with a very good record, and then a team like the Indianapolis Colts um, started off the season very bad and then got red hot when it really mattered the most barely squeaked into the playoffs and then took out just destroyed the texans on the wild card and now the colts are one of the hottest and best teams looking now in the nfl a team that everyone should watch out for so this just goes to show how wide open the nfl playoffs really are 
um, and how entertaining it is. And uh, congrats to the Colts. Going to be very interesting. The Colts are now playing the Kansas City Chiefs. That's going to be a very, very interesting game. So now switching gears back to the NBA. Drama is in Philadelphia, as I reported, and as I covered on an earlier episode of my podcast, Sean Sports. So Philadelphia 76ers star Jimmy Butler reportedly, quote, aggressively challenged head coach Brett Brown recently, but it doesn't appear as though he crossed any lines with his approach. Brown addressed the matter Saturday per the Bucks County Career Times as Tom Moore saying, quote, as I've said many, as I've said to the team a moment ago, I've had many meetings with Jimmy in the film session. I didn't think he went over the line. I would have addressed it. He wanted to be more he wanted to be in more pick and rolls. That was true. My job is to make this work. Brown added per the Athletics Michael Lee that he views that matter as a quote non-story and that any criticism of his player is quote unfair. Uh, ESPN.com's Ramona Shelburne um, and Adrian Wojnarowski reported on Friday that, that Butler spoke out against Brown's system during a recent film session in Portland. Those who witnessed the confrontation believe the incident was not typical of a player-coach exchange, with some calling it quote disrespectful. Um, so. You know, I was I was one to always defend Jimmy Butler. I don't know many details. Many details didn't come out about this story. Jimmy Butler has been involved in lots of drama as of late in Minnesota, in Chicago. And, you know, now that I think of it, the common denominator in all of those situations is Jimmy Butler. It's not anyone else. Anywhere Jimmy Butler goes, the drama follows. So who's the culprit? Probably Jimmy Butler. And, you know, Brett Brown seems like a very nice guy, respectable guy, great head coach in the NBA. You know, comes out and says that Butler didn't cross any lines. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't. We're not going to know, no, unless someone reveals it, you know, some years down the line. But this isn't really a, a huge story, really. But, who, you know, who knows? Why would Brett Brown say that Jimmy Butler crossed the line publicly? That's just going to make things worse between him and Jimmy. He, Brett Brown did the right thing. He said nothing happened. Jimmy Butler didn't cross the line, even though he might have or might not have. Who knows what really happened? But he said Jimmy didn't cross the line, and therefore, you know, Jimmy and Brett can handle this like adults and move on. That's the right way to do it. And uh, this really is not a very big story, as uh, the media is making it out to be. So now switching gears to more football, as USC does everything in its power to keep Cliff King. Cliff Cliff Kingsbury, he could leave his post as offensive coordinator to interview with NFL teams. Per Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, Kingsbury could resign from USC after athletic director Lynn Swan blocked multiple NFL franchises from speaking with the 39-year-old. Florio added Kingsbury's contract with USC has a low buyout, which may cause him to pay the school to get out of his deal and interview for potential NFL head coach and offensive coordinator jobs. ESPN.com's Adam Schefter reported Saturday that USC declined requests from the Arizona Cardinals and New York Jets to speak with Kingsbury about their head coaching vacancies. USC hired Kingsbury as their offensive coordinator only on December 5th, so it's been almost exactly a month since he was hired to USC. Texas Tech fired him on November 25th after three straight losing seasons, including a 5-7 record in 2018. Despite a mediocre 35-40 mark at Texas Tech, Kingsbury has been one of the most discussed coaching candidates in the NFL. Per Jay Glazer of Fox Sports, one reason Kingsbury is so attractive to NFL teams is because, quote, everyone's looking for one of these passing guys who can follow in the footsteps of recent hires such as Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears, Sean McVay of my Los Angeles Rams, and Kyle Shanahan of the San Francisco 49ers. Kingsbury, who is a former quarterback at Texas Tech himself, coached multiple high-profile college quarterbacks including Patrick Mahomes, Johnny Manziel, and Case Keenum. So a great track record. Um... And uh, everyone's doing the right thing. The Cardinals and Jets and probably many other teams would want him as their coach or OC, their offensive coordinator. But USC doesn't want to lose him. I mean, uh, you, you have to um, look at it from their perspective. They just hired him literally uh, a month ago. So 
Um, honestly, Kingsbury should do what he wants to do, and if, if he wants to make it to the NFL, then uh, he should resign from his job at USC. So now switching gears to more football, the Dallas Cowboys won a playoff game. How about them Cowboys, as Stephen A. Smith likes to say? Running back Ezekiel Elliott had 169 yards from scrimmage and one touchdown, and quarterback Dak Prescott added rushing and passing scores as the Dallas Cowboys beat the Seattle Seahawks um, 24-22 in an NFC wildcard matchup uh, Saturday at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Uh, Tyler Lockett had four catches for 120 yards for the Seahawks, while quarterback Russell Wilson rushed for one touchdown and threw another to running back J.D. Um, McKissick. So huge wins for the Cowboys. They finally get that long-awaited playoff win. But, you know, I think the Cowboys really need to win one more. Um, and they're going to be playing my Los Angeles Rams. So I really hope that's not going to happen. And I don't believe they will. Looking at it, um, you know, from an unbiased perspective, the Rams are the much, much superior team. And they're, they're going to be playing in Los Angeles. So the Rams should win. But if the Cowboys beat the Rams... That's going to be huge. The Cowboys will be in the NFC Championship game. Uh, it's, it's probably going to save Jason Garrett's job. It's going to give Dak Prescott uh, a lot of love. Ezekiel Elliott is going to get even more praise than he already has. Just going to, going to be great, great for the Cowboys. I don't think it's going to happen, but already good for them that um, they got that long-awaited one playoff win. So now switching gears to soccer. This is very uh, unfortunate. Wayne Rooney was arrested in December on charges of, quote, public intoxication and, quote, swearing. Um, Rooney, was subsequent, Rooney was freed on his own rec, uh, reconnaissance, but the 33-year-old did pay a fine of a whopping $25 for the offense, which is thought to have taken place in Ludden County, Virginia on Sunday, December 16th, according to the Athletics' Paul Tenorio and Pablo Marr. Rooney is said to have paid the fine Friday, January 4th. On the same day, Rooney has looked... Uh, had looked forward or looked toward the start of a new season with DC United in the MLS. Paying the finest spared Rooney a hearing originally set for January 24th. He was arrested on a Class 4 misdemeanor by officers of the Metropolitan Washington Airport Authority. Rooney had attended the uh, Riyadh Formula E Grand Prix in Saudi Arabia the day before, according to Jacob Morta of the Daily Mirror. A spokesperson or spokesman for woman, for Rooney excuse me, said the footballer, quote, took a prescribed amount of sleeping tablets mixed with some alcohol consumption on the flight back from Riyadh per BBC Sport. The combination of left Rooney, quote, disoriented on arrival. DC United responded with the following statement per the same source, saying, quote, We are aware of the news uh, of news reports indicating that Wayne Rooney was arrested in December. We understand the media's interest in this matter, but we believe this is a private matter for Wayne that DC United will handle internally. We have no further comment on this situation. This, is, this isn't Rooney's first scrape with the law or with issues related to intoxication. The former Everton and Manchester United star was arrested by Cheshire Police in September 2017 and later charged with drink driving during the early hours. Rooney admitted the charges, the charges, and entered a plea of guilt. And entered a plea of guilty after being found to have been quote almost three times over the legal limit. England's all-time leading goal scorer later released a message of apology for his actions. So, that's that. Honestly, I don't really know what happened. What I usually don't comment on things like this, but what I understand of intoxication to be is him being drunk. And uh, it the, the report said that um, there were charges. There were charges of him swearing. So. Uh, this is the first time I hear of um, someone swearing as to be a criminal offense. So if it is, uh, I'll be avoiding Ludden County, Virginia at all costs. Uh, not a place that I want to be around if I can get arrested for swearing. 
But anyway, that's all I have to say about that. Wayne Rooney needs to know better, I guess. I mean, he does, and um, that's that. So now switching gears to MMA, the UFC, John Jones has already already has his next opponent lined up. According to TMZ Sports, he'll face Anthony Smith at UFC 235 in March, though it will be contingent upon the Nevada State Athletic Commission allowing the fight. Quote, later this month, John Jones will, will file an application for licensure with the NSAC in order to compete at UFC 235 in Las Vegas, Nevada on March 2nd. UFC President Dana White told TMZ, provided that license is granted, Jones will be defending his light heavyweight title against Anthony Smith in a five-round main event at the T-Mobile Arena. Jones, who's 31 years old now... Um, returned from a 15-month suspension for his second violation of the UFC's anti-doping policy at UFC 232, defeating Alexander Gustafsson by a third-round TKO. That moved Jones to 23-1-1 for his career, a reminder that the UFC superstar was once considered the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world and is perhaps capable of recapturing that prestige, and honestly, I believe he will. But outside of the octagon, Jones has run into issues. Alongside receiving two suspensions for failed drug tests during his UFC career, he's also had numerous legal and professional issues per the Associated Press. Quote, Jones tested positive for co cocaine use in 2015, later publicly acknowledging that he used the drug. His checkered history also includes an arrest after a hit-and-run accident in New Mexico in which he broke a pregnant woman's arm in 2015, a scuffle with Cormier in a casino lobby while promoting a bout in 2014, and an arrest for driving under the influence after he crashed his Bentley into a pole in 2012. Jones' issue may not be completely for the past. in the past. As TMZ noted, Jones, quote, tested positive for tiny traces of the anabolic steroid Terinabol just days before UFC 232, but the Nevada Athletic Commission couldn't convene for a hearing on such short notice. The UFC instead consulted the California State Athletic Commission, which determined that the positive test was remnants of, of previous tests and did not indicate that Jones would use the drug in the lead-up to his September fight with Gustafson. The United States Anti-Doping Agency also determined that Jones was eligible to fight. Uh, it seems... Likely he'll be cleared to face Smith as well. The 30-year-old Smith is 31-13 and 13 in his career and currently considered the number three contender in the light heavyweight division. He'll be gunning for Jones' title, aiming to become just the second man to beat John Jones, which uh, I don't think that will happen. And uh, honestly, John Jones, a lot like Josh Gordon, insane, incredible talent, just blowing it away. But unlike uh, Josh Gordon, John Jones is clawing his way back. He's now the UFC light heavyweight champion. And it's um, pretty awesome that he's uh, you know, getting back in and... Uh, capitalizing on his talent and his abilities and i hope he'll stay and he won't make any more of these kind of mistakes so before i get into the next story i want to say check out my friends over at crimson it they are a los angeles based managed it services company that specializes in ultra reliable and highly secure it services for the small and medium-sized companies if you would like to see if any of your company email passwords have been leaked stolen or have been stolen on the internet reach out to them and for listeners of my podcast they will run a free scan on the dark web for any information that has been leaked, stolen, or sold related to your company, Crimson IT can be reached at 310-838-3700 or crimsonit.com. So now getting back to the news, switching gears uh, back to the NFL. Uh, let's see what we got. The Pittsburgh Steelers are expected to trade wide receiver Antonio Brown before the new league year begins in March, according to Chris Mortensen of ESPN. Brown would be due a $2.5 million roster bonus if he was still on the Steelers before that time. As for his $21 million cap, the Steelers would be able to recoup a good portion of the money. ESPN's Adam Schefter added the Steelers are likely to restructure and extend Ben Roethlisberger's contract before the new league year, with the veteran quarterback entering the last year of his deal in 2019. Restructuring his deal could create additional cap space for the team, further mitigating Brown's cap hit. Uh, so... You know, that's that. Uh, that's just the update. And it looks like the Steelers and Brown are 
uh, calling it quits. And, um, you know, I don't think the Steelers would trade such a talented player if there was no reason to. And seems like this is a good move for everyone involved. Brown gets a fresh start and the Steelers get to move on. So now switching gears back to the NBA. Speaking of moving on, Memphis Grizzlies forward Trendler Parsons will take an an indefinite leave of absence from the team. ESPN.com's Adrian Wojnarowski and Tim McMahon reported Sunday um, today. According to that report, both the Grizzlies and Parsons agreed to part ways, and his agent James Dunleavy is working with Memphis on the specifics regarding his potential departure, along with the um, prorated options of his $24.1 million salary for this season. Parsons is owed $25.1 million for next year as well. He's in the third year of a four-year, $94.4 million contract he signed in Memphis ahead of the 2016-17 season. Man, that's um, not looking good for Memphis, that whole contract. Even though he'd inevitably leave some money on the table, Parsons has plenty of incentive to agree to a buyout. The 30-year-old has played just three games this season while battling knee problems. According to what Janowski, Parsons received medical clearance to return on December 21st, but he has not suited up since Memphis's 92-84 win over the Utah Jazz on October 22nd. Speaking with the commercial appeals, Mark Giannato, Parsons said he wanted to get back on the court, saying, quote, The most confusing part for me is I'm healthy, I'm medically cleared by the people I work with every single day that are experts at this kind of stuff, so it's frustrating to me watch a team struggle, and I'm sitting here on the bench healthy, dying to play. After injuries limited him to uh, 70 games in his first two years in Memphis, Parsons' frustration is understandable. By finalizing a pile with the Grizzlies, he'd seemingly improve his odds of becoming a regular rotation player again. Again. Much like the Steelers and Brown, this seems like a good move for everyone involved. So now switching gears back to the NFL. The New York Jets currently have seven top candidates to fill their head coaching vacancy, but it appears as though Mike McCarthy could be the favorite to land the job. According to Rick Chimini of ESPN.com, Jets CEO Christopher Johnson is, quote, enamored with the former Green Bay Packers coach. The team could be excited about McCarthy's offensive background to help get the most out of a quarterback, Sam Darnold. The 55-year-old spent 13 years with the Packers, in producing a 125-77 and two record with eight uh, uh, with eight seasons with 10 or more wins. He also led the team to a Super Bowl win in 2010 and had 10 playoff wins during his stretch with the team. He was fired in November after getting off to a 4-7 and one start in 2018 and also missing the playoffs the season before. Considering he had Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, this was a major disappointment and a reason for the Jets to be wary of the hire. Quote. Uh, Coach Asit Wallace, too, a league source, told Simini he should be the first guy hired based on his resume, but there's a reason why they were floundering the last two years. When you have a franchise quarterback, you can't be that bad. That's on him. And that's uh, my belief as well, as I um, said on er, on other podcast episodes. Still, his past success and his experience with Rodgers and Brett Favre gave him enough of a resume to be a good hire for the Jets. Meanwhile, Eric Bianemi, Adam Gase, Chris Richard, Todd Monken, Matt Rule, and Jim Caldwell are considered the other realistic candidates for the job. But if I'm the Jets, I go all in with uh, Mike McCarthy. So now transitioning to more football. The Philadelphia Eagles are reportedly expected to trade quarterback Nick Foles this offseason, according to Ian Rapport of NFL.com. But, um, you know, after today, I think they need to reconsider. Per Rappaport, there will be plenty of interest. Quote, the former Super Bowl MVP who picked up where he left off this year by improbably leading the team to the playoffs again is expected to be the top quarterback available in a year with free, with few free agent options and even fewer highly drafted options. The Eagles and Foles have a, a mutual option for the 2019 season for $20 million, though Foles can essentially pay the team $2 million to become a free agent. In that event, the team could franchise tag him around 20 for around $25 million and trade him from there. The Eagles will likely end up using the tag one way or another since Foles is likely to buy his free agency even if the team exercises the mutual option. The 29-year-old has proved his value the past two seasons. Last year, in relief of an injured Carson Wentz, he led the Eagles on a playoff run and eventually to their first Super Bowl title, famously outdueling Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. 
This season, he was once again forced to relieve duty for Wentz, leading the Eagles to three straight wins in their final three games, including wins over the playoff teams, such as the Los Angeles Rams and Houston Texans, to clinch the playoff berth. This would be a... Uh, I don't think the, the Eagles should do this. I think they should keep Foles as a backup for Carson Wentz, but, you know, that's uh, their decision. Switching gears to more football, just mentioned the Patriots and... Um, the Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels made headlines last season, last offseason when he withdrew from an agreement to become the Indianapolis Colts' next head coach, but his team is reportedly, quote, preparing for him to leave in this offseason. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk reported the news, noting McDaniels already interviewed with the Green Bay Packers. What's more, he pointed out the Cleveland Browns are reportedly interested, and, quote, the thinking at this point is that McDaniels will only interview with teams that he'd be willing to coach. While McDaniels was the head coach for the Denver Broncos in 2009 and 2010, he was just 11 and 17 and has found far more success as the OC of the New England Patriots. He was the offensive coordinator from 2006 through 2008 and again since 2012 uh, and has helped New England win two Super Bowl titles during his tenure. England uh, or McDaniels has worked with future Hall of Famer Tom Brady for years and his potential relationship with the quarterback would be un um, under the microscope with uh, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay or Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. Uh, we'll just have to see, and um, I think he'll probably leave. So now switching gears to even more football, lots of football stories to cover today. Baltimore Ravens uh, cornerback Jimmy Smith had little time for Ravens fans who booed Lamar Jackson during the team's 23-17 wildcard round loss to the Los Angeles Chargers. CBS Sports Island reported Tracy Wolfson said during the game that Smith spoke with some fans from the sideline after they were calling for Joe Flacco to replace Lamar Jackson. Quote, for a fact that you're a fair-weather fan that quickly when things go rough, you turned your back on him, Smith said of that interaction for the Athletics' Jeff um, Zrebike. That just go under my skin a little bit. I went to them and told them, yo, you either ride or die or you get the hell out of here. Jackson went 14 of 29 for 194 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Both of his passing touchdowns came in the fourth quarter after he struggled for much of the game. With Baltimore's offense unable to move the ball, some wondered whether the Ravens or whether Ravens coach John, John Harbaugh would make the switch to Flacco, which he ended up not doing. After the defeat, Harbaugh told reporters he and his coaching staff, quote, were considering going to Flacco, but that they all agreed to stick with Jackson. For Sports Illustrated's, Illustrated's Connor Orr. Uh, so, I don't necessarily agree that sticking with Jackson was the right move, even though they almost actually pulled off the win in the end. Um, Lamar Jackson was great in the fourth quarter, horrible in the first three quarters. But I totally agree with Jimmy Smith. The Baltimore Ravens fans showed that they are pretty fair weather. The Ravens had a great season, barely managed to make it to the playoffs over the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, a very similar season to the Indianapolis Colts. And then they put up a fight against the Chargers. And uh, their fans blew Lamar Jackson. I think that's uh, pretty disrespectful. And I totally agree with Jimmy Smith on this one. So now switching gears to the NBA. The Minnesota Timberwolves fired head coach and president of basketball operations Tom Thibodeau on Sunday after more than two seasons with the NBA organization. The Athletics' John Krasinski and Shems Tierney of The Athletic and Stadium first reported the team's decision, while ESPN.com's Adrian Ojanowski detailed how the firing went down. Tweeting, quote, Minnesota CEO Ethan Cassidy and general manager Scott Layden walked into Thibodeau's office and fired him after, Lake, after a win over the Lakers. League sources tell ESPN. Thibodeau was surprised that the timing had no idea his ouster was imminent. Uh, Kasson hadn't been a fan of the Thibodeau era. According to Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix, assistant coach Ryan Saunders will take over for Thibodeau on an interim basis. Saunders is the son of former Timberwolves head coach Flip Saunders. What Janowski reported, former Chicago Bulls head coach Fred Hoiberg is among the early contenders in Minnesota's coaching search, adding he is also a candidate for the general manager position, which is currently held by Scott Layden. ESPN analyst Chauncey Billups is also a potential candidate for the coach or GM position, per what Janowski, who added Hoiberg, is, quote, focused on an NBA coaching return. So, wow, I did not expect this. 
Uh, I don't think this is a bad move, but I never thought that after beating the Lakers by 22 points that the uh, Timberwolves would fire their coach and GM. Uh, who knows? It probably might be a good move. So now switching gears to the NFL to close up the uh, big news story, uh, big news in sports section of this episode. Um, this was just insane game. The Nick Foles magic continues. Foles led the Philadelphia Eagles to a 16 to 15 victory over the Chicago Bears in Sunday's NFC wildcard game at Soldier Field, keeping the defending champions alive for at least one more week, even in Carson Wentz's absence in the most dramatic fashion. He found Golden Tate for a touchdown on fourth and goal with less than a minute left, putting the visitors ahead for good. It looked as if the Bears would still come away with a win when Mitchell Trubisky, who was 26-43 of for 303 yards and a touchdown directed them into field goal range, but Cody Parkey missed the potential game-winning field goal off the upright and the crossbar absolutely heartbreaking i was shocked he made the field goal and then missed it after a timeout was called uh it was the sixth time this season that he hit uh the upright on the field goal kick i feel very bad for him and that uh that cost the bears their season and uh, their whole defense i'm just very happy because if the bears won this game the los angeles rams would have to play the chicago bears and even though it would be in la and that's not ideal at all um we all know what happened when the rams played the bears the last time but since the Eagles beat the Bears on the road, that means that the Rams will post the Cowboys, which um, as a Rams fan, I like that matchup a lot more. And shout out to the Eagles, man. <laughs> they just never die. And uh, Nick Foles is something else. Very clutch. So now switching gears to the Los Angeles sports teams to close out this episode of Sean Sports Stop. The Los Angeles Lakers, as I said, lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves. They... Have now lost three in a row and five out of their last six since destroying the Golden State Warriors on Christmas Day. They're struggling mightily without LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma, and Rajon Rondo. Understandably so, but uh, still kind of uh, not very happy as a Laker fan to see this. And I mean, all the lo- most of the losses were close, you know. After the Warriors, uh, after the win over the Warriors, they lost uh, to the Sacramento Kings by one point, to the Los Angeles Clippers by 11. Then uh, they beat the Kings by seven. After that, they lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder by seven. They lost to the New York Knicks by seven. And then today was their first loss, uh, their first big loss. Got blown out by the Timberwolves by 22. But most of those games were close. So very upsetting as a Laker fan. But the Lakers will look to bounce back and get back in the win column tomorrow at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time against the Dallas Mavericks on the road. The Los Angeles Clippers played today, and they won. They beat the Orlando Magic 106-96 at home, improving to 23-16 on the season, while the Magic fall to 17-22. The Clippers' next game is Tuesday, January 8th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time at home against the Charlotte Hornets. They will look to make uh, to extend the, uh, their wins and make that three wins in a row. Taking a look at the NBA standings, the Lakers were once fourth in the Western Conference. They now fall to eighth. As I said, they lost three in a row. They're at 21-19 and only 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Well, the Clippers are fourth in the Western Conference. Very um, surprising that the Clippers are doing so well. 6-4 and four in their last 10, 23-16 overall, and uh, they're looking great. So the LA Rams, it's now official. They play the Dallas Cowboys on Saturday, January 12th at 5.15 p.m. Pacific time at home in the NFL Divisional Round. The game's going to be broadcasted on Fox. I'm extremely excited for that. The Los Angeles Chargers, as I said, as I said they beat the Baltimore Ravens today. And uh, they con- they take on the New England Patriots on Sunday, January 13th at 10.05 a.m. Pacific time on the road at Foxborough. The game's going to be on CBS. Very excited. Phillip Rivers versus uh, Tom Brady, part three in the NFL playoffs. And um, it's going to be a great game. The LA Kings uh, did not play today, but they did play last night, uh, getting back in the win column after two straight losses. They beat the Edmonton Oilers 4-0 at home. Uh, they play the San Jose Sharks tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time on the road. The game's going to be broadcasted nationally on NBC Sports. And the Anaheim Ducks lost 
uh, 4-0 to the Edmonton Oilers today. And their next game is Wednesday, January 9th at 7 p.m. Pacific time against the Ottawa Senators at home. Taking a look at the NHL standings, the Kings are still last in the Pacific Division. Uh, they're 6-3-1 and in the last game. Minus 29 goal differential. 17-23-3 uh, and, and um, three on the season with uh, 37 points. The Anaheim Ducks are at 19-17-7. They have lost eight straight games, still fourth in the Pacific. They're 2-6-2 two, and two in their last 10. And uh, they have 45 points. So the Kings are... Uh, only eight points behind the fourth place Ducks. Um, Kings are winning more. Ducks are losing way more. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is all we have for episode number 210 of Sean Sports Up. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, see you next time.